Okay, uh, greetings, friends. It's your midweek champo. Um, let's just uh, dive right into it. Uh, touching on some issues we talked about on the last show, I'd like to highlight two bits of good news out of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. First, 77 passed. You know what that means. Boss Burger is closing down. <laughs> you know what that means. Uh, DC's burgeoning restaurant scene soon to be stifled by big government regulation and, uh, you know, wage, um, wage. Uh, what would you call it? Slavery? I mean, the, the people who own the restaurants are being subject to wage slavery. That's what I mean. So many artisanal cocktails and farm-to-table experiences lost in time, like tears in the rain. Yeah, if you've never been to D.C., uh, half the restaurants there are like knockoffs of five guys that fold within six months. And the other half are like sort of if you had to watch Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares with no sound and try to recreate the restaurants that he made (laughs) just by visual context clues, but not really knowing how to do anything else. Elliot Ness is going to bust in there with axes and tear up all of the sushi burritos and <laughs> uh, fucking yogurt artisanal pitas. Virgil, what was it you said that every restaurant in D.C. was named like uh, Vito Whiskey Steakhouse or yeah. something? Yeah, all the restaurants have the motto, eat like you give a damn. <laughs> there was uh, We've already talked about Le Diplomat, and I think I've mentioned before on the show that at the height of his uh, power... Uh, corrupt uh, shill lobbyist Jack Abramoff uh, owned a restaurant called Signatures. Mm-hmm. That was like Ugh. that was a that was a considered a very trendy hangout in during the height of the Bush administration. This is going to be tough because lobbyists for corrupt regimes are going to have to take uh, Eli Lake to like Fairfax County to stuff him like a foie gras goose. <laughs> 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 so uh, yeah. I don't know if it was a a parody account, but like one of those very aggressive like uh, save our tips astroturfs accounts started <laughs> threatening me on on Twitter the other day <laughs> because of what uh, Libby and I said about uh, they were like again I wasn't able to like it wasn't the official save our tip at save our tips it was at save our tips DC. But then after they did it, they locked their oh, account. Oh, that's like real IRA. Yeah, versus, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they locked their account right after they did it to me, which would lead me to believe it's not a parody, which is astonishing to me. But they did tell me uh, that if I ever show my face in D.C., I'm, quote, green lit. And if, I, <laughs> and if I eat at any restaurant, I should expect to be bent over a toilet bowl for at least three days. So. You, yeah, you have to check in before you come <laughs> to Roost Chris, D.C. <laughs> Could you imagine going to D.C. and having a terrible meal? <laughs> um, so yeah they we, also didn't they um shout out sam knight they threatened to poison sam knight that's true that is true as well <laughs> now i feel like uh do you know that who's that fucking batshit like QAnon conspiracy lady who loves Trump who said Hillary Clinton poisoned her dog. Just some yeah, one of those I, random I mean, there's accounts. a million people yeah, yeah. like that, but that's how I'm feeling right now. She killed a million dogs. <laughs> what do you think the Clinton Foundation was for? <laughs> Clinton, opening Clinton. opening kill shelters all over <laughs> Haiti. Um, uh, before I get to the uh, the next bit of good news out of DC, I should uh, introduce our guest for this week. Uh, slitting in is uh, Slate.com staff writer. Osita Nuevo. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, aside from the good news about Initiative 77 passing in D.C. and uh, you know, waitstaff and bartenders earning a fixed minimum wage. Now keep in mind the council can still water it down. That's or true. Or cancel it. 
well, similar to remember it's like that, what's going on in Seattle right now. Yeah, they, they repealed yeah. the head tax. Wait, could you explain that? It's like the city council passed it and then immediately begged. The yeah, basically because to- Amazon threatened to have to force a referendum and then spend a ton of money to win, and then they just said, "Ah, well, you can't fight uh, city. You can't fight city hall. You can fight city hall if you have the giant crystal balls, <laughs> which Amazon has. I don't know if anybody knows, but they have a giant they have a giant terrarium for their employees in a, in their headquarters in Seattle. They're shaped like big big glass balls google it it's a real thing so uh i mean we'll see what happens but uh always good to know that you know the uh at least when it was put uh on the ballot uh the majority of people turned out for the the right decision or at least were not swayed by the um rather fraudulent and aggressive um you know no on 77 save our tips campaign it was like like 11 points i think or something close to that yeah it wasn't Mm -hmm. i mean i live in dc and everywhere you would every restaurant you pass by would have like a no to 77 poster in the window and I'd pass by and think, wow, you know, they have really <laughs> got like some large swath of the city yeah, uh, locked down. But no, it was like, well, I mean, I th- things like, you know, I think it goes to show that, it, you know, putting things like uh, minimum wage raises right. on the ballot are popular. Right. I mean, like th- those, th- those have broad public support. Uh, but again, touching on um, things that are DC and restaurant related, the other bit of great news out of dc just last night shout out dc dsa for ruining uh homeland security demon christian nielsen's uh you know dinner out with her husband at some shitty tex-mex restaurant literally just barging in and yelling shame shame (laughs) at her and like there's video footage of it and her just sitting there at that table eyes cast down i think is uh because let's be honest, the last two weeks have just been nonstop misery mm-hmm. in the news. Just like asking yourself how much more evil we can get and the, the feeling that you can't do anything about it. The Pinocchios have been piling up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a question I asked uh, on, on the last episode, you know, like when confronted by this, you know, what is something we can do? And hey, this is an answer. Let's make sure these people, I mean, like, they have addresses. They, they like going out in public. Either they can't, you know, sequester themselves indefinitely. Just uh, make it so that they cannot enjoy a meal in public or, you know, show their faces without being shamed or even spit upon by, uh, or just forced you live up to the shit that they're doing and yeah. that they could not be prouder of doing when they're behind a microphone or with a camera in front of them. Yeah, um, I was thinking about this when, you know, that... Uh, spokesperson for the dhs account his name is like uh tail like jordan or taylor or something like a very suburban name and he's in like after uh nielsen got booed out of the restaurant he was like a small group of protesters came up and registered their mutual oh, disagreement yeah, yeah. with it i think we like to i already talked about this a little on twitter but i think we like to think of ice as solely just hot dog neck punisher tattoo guys who only work out their arms and are just you know the dumb blue lives matter thumbs that (laughs) waddle around committing fascism and yeah that's the guys who do the legwork but what makes all this possible are people like kirsten nielsen who previously after all this would be able to reintegrate into polite society no problem show up on person exactly because they have the they speak in that hr language they have LinkedIn pages, as we found oh, out. Oh, yes. They they conduct lives that are probably very similar and very recognizable to 
most of us in the media. And we're probably going to get into this conversation about civility more, but the harder it is for them to unpack at the end of the day and think they're going back to being a normal person, the better. I mean, you, you bring up, uh, you know, her, her post-government life or like the, the ease with which these people slot into even more well-paid and secure jobs in corporate America. Asita, I'm wondering if you've seen recently a spate of commentary, at least about the child separation policy that sort of states, you know, this is going to follow these Trump administration people for the rest of their lives. Like they're never going to they're never going to overcome this. And I got to say, I'm deeply skeptical about oh, whether yes. that's yeah. true. Same. I mean, my alma mater already brought back or brought Stephen Bannon to campus or tried to bring Stephen Bannon to campus. And there was an outcry over that. Corey Lewandowski, I think, was a Harvard uh, Institute a, of Politics. He, I just saw today Corey Lewandowski is at the Harvard Center for yeah. International Politics that brought Selena Zito and those kids to real America. So, yeah. <laughs> so he's still he's still there. I mean, this is again after the day after when asked about a girl with Down syndrome being took away from her mother at an ICE detention center, literally went wah wah on, <laughs> on cable yeah. news. I mean, you know, I, I tweeted about this. I think yesterday, you know, journalists are mad now, but like in five to ten years' time, these people are going to be invited to college campuses to do this kind of stuff, and students are going to get angry about it and say that they don't have the right to propagandize and whitewash what's going on. All these same journalists who are upset now are going to say, no, that's totalitarianism. Yeah, not respecting yeah. this person who served their time in government and has things to teach you about what public service is all about. Yeah, I, I feel a repeat of a few weeks ago when you know, suddenly everyone, uh, everyone who sort of didn't care before or didn't really think about it was all sort of questioning, not necessarily Zionism, but the conduct of the Zionist state. It gave me a flashback to the Bush years when suddenly people were, questioning America, rightfully questioning America's conduct in war, why we go to war, why we have this state of permanent war. And then it just disappears. When this is all done, it disappears. No one really gives a shit that John Yu is where he is. No one gives a shit what David Addington is doing. There's no follow-up on these people. And in fact, as you said, they're actively defended to be integrated into the same sort of media media academia ecosystem as everyone else. And yeah, for all the outrage now, I feel like most of the popular outrage it's not going to be there when these people are on fucking cnn in 2025 talking about who won the baron trump twitch primary or whatever (laughs) yeah i mean you bring up john Yu. i think that's the perfect example of someone who could not be more evil from the bush administration uh quick reminder he was the guy who crafted the legal memos that literally said the president has the authority to order a someone to stomp on a child's testicles if he thinks it's in the nation's best interests. He's currently a tenured academic at the University of Berkeley Law School. So, yeah. you know, he's not suffering any uh, ill consequences for his past associations or actions. There are second and third and fourth acts for all of these people yeah. all the time. Now, uh, look, look forward to Kellyanne Conway or somebody theatrically repudiating the Republican Party on television when President Ted Nugent... Uh, <laughs> proposes building a gigantic saw to cut off Mexico like Bugs Bunny did to Florida. (laughs) Speaking to this issue of, uh, you know, direct action, like, you know, uh, confronting uh, someone like Kristen Nielsen uh, going outside, making them feel intimidated or uncomfortable. I mean, I feel like from the beginning of this week, like on, like the the main issue everyone's talking about with good cause is the, this child separation issue and the existence of these ICE 
child concentration camps. Again, sorry to repeat myself, but it, as the week wore on, more and more like the, the, the topic of conversation became more of one of these interminable meta debates about how we debate politics. Mm-hmm. And like the big question is, um, you know, I've heard from liberals and conservatives, is it okay to compare this to the Holocaust? Is it okay to make that historical analogy uh, as it regards our, our country's current immigration policies? Like, I think that debate was closed today. There was a Vanity Fair piece that came out this afternoon where a White House advisor was quoted as saying Stephen Miller likes the pictures that are coming out of the border. And he literally said, you know, this guy is like Waffen-SS. So if White House advisors, if it's okay for them to compare White House officials to Nazis, then surely, you know, I think it makes sense for other people. I mean, what we're seeing is a policy of putting ethnic minorities, children, into camps uh, to service a racist uh, belief system about what immigration should be in this country. Uh, And I was just going to say, like, I mean, the pedantic counter-argument is, oh, well, you know, they're not literally gassing these kids and then shoving their bodies into ovens, which is like, you know, no. I mean, you could say not yet they're not. But I think it begs the question, if they were... And let's say there were video or let's say audio recording of them doing it. Would these same people object to it? Or would they find another way to like, I mean, we also found out this week that Trump now has his highest approval rating since inauguration. So I think we have to ask ourselves, like, at least what percentage of our country, the ones who are fine with this current policy of child separation would continue to be fine with it if it went even further down the road to actually Nazi style genocide. I mean, People's like idea of the history of Nazi Germany is amazing because I think that they literally think they just they just got in there one day and they're like, all right, we're doing the Holocaust. It's like, no, there's a wave of dehumanization and like slowly stripping away rights like that. They similar to, you know, you start with separating families, you start with a zero tolerance policy, then you start looking at maybe birthright citizenship. You look at people who lied on their green card application. You look at other things like we hear that they're doing, they've assembled uh, task forces of lawyers to do. And it just completely ahistorical. We saw this with Jeff Sessions on the Laura Ingraham show uh, a couple of days ago where he just said, you know, the Holocaust was them trying to keep the Jews in the country. And what we're doing is completely different. No, that's not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Massive campaign of deportations. They were trying to find different places. Madagascar. Spell all the Jews. Madagascar, exactly. And then the final solution was, well, hell, we'll just kill all of them in the most efficient way possible. But that was the last stage of a long campaign of dehumanization and trying to get these people out. Yeah, and we we can only do Nazi comparisons after the fact. You can only do it post facto sort of as a historical judgment which makes it basically meaningless. Like, what is the point of history if it can only be, done, be used to sort of render post facto judgments instead of being able to use it to draw parallels to what is happening right in front of you and try to fucking change the arc of history? That's the point of knowing about the past. In our stupid American conception of history, most people believe Hitler was some kind of evil wizard who cast a charisma spell to convince the otherwise civilized and kind German people uh, to become you know, brutal, violent, misanthropic monsters. But obviously, you know, we all know that's not the case. And... I, to answer your original question, Will, I would guess 25% of the country. Well, yeah, right, it's just like right when, you, when like that audio came out of those children screaming or whatever. I don't think we should 
you know, assume that everyone is just like, how could you listen to that and like not be sick to your stomach? I mean, I think plenty of people listen to that and laugh because yeah. I mean, they, they'd appreciate it. They'd like more of that to happen. So if they, or they find ways to deny it or just say, Hey, those kids, look, a lot of those kids are actors. A lot of those kids are coached by lawyers about what to say. Or a lot of those kids aren't actually the children of the people they're with. So if you can invent in your head justifications for that kind of stuff, then absolutely you could invent justifications about how, oh, they're not really being killed. Or, you know, oh, hey, there are swimming pools at these facilities. I mean, that's the best scene in, you know, that wave of World War II nostalgia from the early 2000s. The best scene in any of those things in Band of Brothers, the Holocaust episode, where that just fucking oafish baker from the town waddles into the camp and they're like you could smell this shit like you knew what was going on he's like i don't know i just bake treats like that's john padoritz <laughs> well, <laughs> no, john padoritz is ordering them yeah. he's not baking that's anything true, he's, uh, yeah he's he, tweeting he's about the, how they're not there yet <laughs> the, the thing is well i don't think that most of these people have to compartmentalize i don't think they have to invent uh you know exculpations or conspiracy theories because i think deep down inside a significant number of americans a significant number of white suburban americans believe that it's them or us yes and that if uh one of the consequences is uh children get murdered on mass or brown people die on mass uh even like talking in the number of millions uh they might say well i don't know if i want to go that far but they would ultimately realize that right. this well, is in my no interest. that's 100 percent correct it is them or us and they see this whole argument as this whole debate happening right now is fact is heart versus head. It's facts versus feelings. Yep. And all of the libs who are sad about what they're hearing, boo hoo, oh, you feel bad for them, but the reality is we have to keep them out or they're going to swamp us. And that's a, that's a hard truth that you can't handle and that I am willing to. And so they turn their lack of empathy into a virtue. Because what are we, I mean, in the, in the argument between head and heart, what are we as Americans trained to? Uh, prefer what 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 is the sign of maturity and intelligence it's when you ignore your fucking appeals to emotions and you look at the hard facts the hard facts are if we don't stop them then they're gonna take over and you're not gonna be able to go to get a reservation at a uh, uh, cheesecake factory because it's gonna <laughs> uh, it's gonna be turned into a takiera along back. those lines see i was wondering if you've been following uh, it becomes flan factory <laughs> I was wondering, Osita, if you've been following uh, the the late career shift. I won't, actually, I won't say career shift. I'd say career enhancement of uh, Tucker Carlson. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. No, he, yeah, he, he seems to be the one making uh, that argument uh, most strenuously on television. Yeah, the idea that, you know, if there are people who care more about foreigners than the sort of deserving middle-class white families here in this country, we've got to stop them. Otherwise, they're going to... You know, destroy society. I mean, this is this is white nationalism. There's no step you have to get to, you know, from mainstream conservative rhetoric to get to what nationalists are talking about. Like this is straight up the argument that they make. There's no distance between those two things anymore, to the extent that there even ever was. Um, I want to go back to this this Nazi thing because I think one important thing um, that I do have a problem with in this comparison is not that it's over the top, but I think it's a way of deepening this idea that deep evil is something that happened elsewhere and is foreign to us. And, you know, in America, we don't have terrible, god-awful things happen. But over there, you know, in Germany, in the 1930s and 1940s, true evil happened, and Trump is bringing that over here now for, like, the first time. Like, we had a system, an economic system in this country that was 
based on children being separated from their parents forcibly. Uh, parents who had often been forced to breed those children with strangers. And this was a system that made a lot of people rich. This was a system that supplied a lot of the world's economy with vital, durable goods. Um, and all the Democrats sort of coming out here and saying, you know, this, 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 what we're seeing now is an aberration, I think, are alienating people who understand that history. Um, and to know that this country has forever found ways to bind uh, its sense of well-being with the dispossession and the subjugation of ethnic minorities. But if you go in the other direction, don't you alienate uh, the people who don't want to hear childishly that America has always been uh, bad? You probably do. I think you do. Um, but I think that there is a far larger pool of potential voters uh, who disagree with that. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who are disengaged from politics because people don't talk frankly about this country's history and the reality of the economy and how long it's been subjugating people. I, I, don't, I don't know, but consistently, you know, uh, in opinion polls, not just of voters but of adults, period, the most popular institutions are the military. That's true. And, I mean, we still live in a fundamentally nationalistic and militaristic society, and yeah. nobody's really pushed back against that in know, decades. I mean, that's, yeah. the th- that's the thing, though. No one has really tried uh, and I think there is a way to yeah. do it. I mean, Matt talked about it. the answer isn't necessarily uh, this. Pl- this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's Candy Crush just went <laughs> off. <laughs> what the fuck? Is that a Chinese beauty app? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I've been hacked. <laughs> St- stream snipers again. Uh, no, but Matt's talked about it. It's the message, however true this may be, should not be goddamn America. It should be like, it doesn't have, look, we have been shitty, but it doesn't have to be this bad. And yeah. I think that might be the way to go. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, opinion people, there may be a huge pool of people that may be turned off by that. But at the same time, we haven't really had that much of a large concerted effort to go back in the other direction. You know, things change. Hopefully. And I would also just like to say another thing that's inaccurate about the Nazi comparison is the guy who called Stephen Miller Waffen SS. Excuse me, sir. The Waffen SS was a combat (laughs) detachment of the SS. (laughs) Stephen Miller is a fucking nerd. If he'd been in the SS, he would have been at headquarters in an office trying to prove on a piece of paper that he was descended from Hagar the Horrible. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... I think Asita's point is a, is a really good one. And another reason I think like you're seeing a pushback against comparisons to the Holocaust and the Third Reich is because they're effective. And they're effective because for some weird reason, it just does seem to be like World War II and the Holocaust does seem to be the one major historical fact that most Americans have imbibed yeah. in a way they haven't with slavery. Yeah, for yeah. Instance. Because it's a That's story so where we're the good guys. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. I don't know. I think that's true. Um, I also think that large transformational change in this country will happen once you make clear the extent to which large transformational change needs to happen, yeah. which means reckoning, frankly, with the extent to which we've miserated people for a long time. I don't know. Um, yeah. But it's definitely true that people glom on to the Nazi story more easily. Um, it's a very black and white narrative, to the extent that the American people know it anyway. And that just sort of makes it an easy place to to find your symbols and parallels it just it does go to show just how much 
how far we have to go in terms of really like changing the terrain of these discussions yeah. and like really reckoning with the past, reckoning with everything that America has done to be built on what it is. Uh, it really undermines sort of a lot of the complacent assumptions that people have about like their place in the world and what they deserve and all this stuff. And that's going to be a, a long-term project. And hopefully like these sort of really revolting moments where people are genuinely shocked and where their consciences are, are brought to the, to the surface for a moment. Even if it, even if you can point out it's a continuation of things we've done forever and I'll, is that, it provides, I guess, that teachable moment, maybe. But the problem is the challenge is just how fragmented we all are and how broken the media con- landscape is and how self-selected people are in terms of what they absorb and how hard it is to really con- converse over across these divides. Uh, it's, it's certainly, fuck, it's a challenge. Well, I, wish spe- I, knew, I wish I knew how you, you'd do it. Speaking of challenges, I mean, like, obviously we know what the right wing think and feel about all this, that it's great and they'd like more of it. Um, however, what do you think, like in, like in this moment, like Matt, you were discussing where many people feel repulsed and shocked at the conduct of their country and the people who are running it. Do you think there is an opportunity here that for liberals to be more radicalized by things like this child separation policy? Well, I think uh, today is actually going to be a good test of that because we're hearing now that Trump is going to sign an executive order to go back to the Obama policy where they're still locking up asylum seekers and seeking asylum is legal it's not it's not breaking laws to do it no matter what these idiots keep saying uh and and reunite the families but still in 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 internment Marco Rubio used the hashtag detain and maintain yes exactly always <laughs> inspiring right yeah. always uh Keep in another city and maintain. <laughs> See every Memorial Day and maintain. <laughs> Get a bike every other Christmas and, and maintain. maintain. But this is a perfect example of sort of where the, the liberal response to these sort of things leads you because like, the, the liberals, this horror appears and the thought is, well, what's the worst thing about this that we can all agree is bad? We can get everybody on board, even some Republicans and stuff. And it's separating the families. That's the moral horror. I th- but then, if you change that, if you put the families together, well, what are you complaining about? And the logic of that sort of, uh, of, of resistance and that sort of protest, you, can, you don't have anything to complain about. Your problem was that these kids are alone. Now they have their families. They're still in a cage. But what are you supposed to say to that unless you're willing to go deeper? And I guess that's, and that's why I say... I don't know the answer to the question, but I think that the response to this is going to be very illustrative. Do people say, okay, we can go back to brunch? Or do they say, this is an untenable situation, regardless of whether these families are together or not, if they're still in prison? I think a large number of people have been radicalized by the events of the past two weeks. I'm not going to try to quantify that. And what? Why are you laughing at that? Just the tone of... Don't send me an email. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you have any questions about, uh, you know, quantifying this. <laughs> video games, Twitch, just want to talk to me, please email Virgil. <laughs> any, any canon uh, clarifications? <laughs> 
I think a large number of people have been radicalized, and a large number of people, large number of people, have been despairing uh, for the past two weeks and have felt utterly powerless and utterly incapable of at all impacting the current situation. And as well, a big source of that despair is the notion that these people uh, who are you're putting these policies in practice, who are engaging with these these monstrous people in the administration, will never ever be punished. They'll never ever be brought to justice, and that is a big reason why I was elated to see MDC MDC DSA's action at that restaurant because it was the first time in two weeks that anyone at any part of the political spectrum has been able to demonstrate that you can do something you can commit some kind of radical act uh outside of the current acceptable discourse outside of the fact checks at, at tisktis.org yeah. and outside of the how yeah. dare you sir hour on msnbc and i think or at least i hope that a large number of people are going to pick up on that contrast between bloodless liberalism and the you know let's all have a beer with mitch mcconnell and try to work things out legislatively crew and the radical anti-capitalists and their uncompromising stance and i mean i would think that because of the publicity from that action people are going to be more interested in the dsa which is good and if uh, i know people might call this co-optation but if it does firm up the attitudes of Democratic legislators in the next couple of weeks. That's important, too, in this pivotal moment. I would also, uh, in addition to what D.C. DSA did, uh, also the Portland DSA, very <laughs> impressive uh, surrounding an ICE facility in Portland yes. and literally like stopping people from leaving to the point where a Department of Homeland Security person had to come outside and plead with them, disperse, because these people <laughs> inside need to go home to their families. Uh, so I believe they... Can, if they also eat- stole their pizza. Really? Uh, yeah, ice ice delivered pizza, and then they just they well, wouldn't that's pass fucking, the border. That's, so that's beautiful to me as well, because if right here in New York, that fucking military base in Staten Island that yeah. detained yeah. and tried to deport that guy who literally delivered a pizza to him to them and ate the fucking pizza as Jesus. well. I, while, we're, while we're shouting out organizations and people doing direct action, uh, I know there are a billion we could get to but just ones i immediately know of uh psl in arizona has done a lot of really good work with sort of uh people being detained and released from detention camps even prior to this and uh getting them legal help and uh giving them essential supplies so you know shout out to them too Uh, no more deaths has been working in the southwest desert area for several years now uh they're the ones who put out the water jugs that we saw border patrol uh kick over and pour out uh in order to you know kill people obviously so that's an organization that also deserves your interest and support you know in discussing these these direct act like you know disrupting someone's dinner or making it so they can't leave or uh, their place of work if their place of work happens to be ice uh, this this gets into like a like a, a different sort of topic that but it's connected that I wanted to talk to you about Asita. This idea that you know if you see uh, someone like Christian Nielsen being yelled at while she's you know just trying to enjoy a meal out, you know, and, uh, I, I think like you, what you'd hear from a lot of people is, hey, you know, I don't like this policy of child separation at the border, but you know what, you do that, like you see these videos of people yelling at this nice lady getting a dinner. 
that's that's how we got Trump, you know? It's like, you know, you're going to be making more Trump yeah. voters. Or, hey, Robert De Niro is saying, fuck you, Trump at the Tonys. People see that? That's a dozen In, new Trump voters. The millions of regular Americans who come home from their job, at the they all work at the same uh, coal mine slash steel mill combination. <laughs> like Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. They come home. Rosanna's an on, so they go to their second favorite show, The Tonys. The Tony's. <laughs> right? And they're like, right. what the fuck? Yeah, but uh, see, this is a topic you've written about at Slate. I mean, there's one piece in particular you wrote: "Liberals is not about being nice." And in it, you sort of you 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 discuss the this sort of refrain that we hear a lot. Uh, in particular, there was a guy uh, named Gerald Alexander who wrote in the pages of the New York Times about how basically, you know, liberals they don't understand what they look like, how they come across, how how sort of. Uh, mean they can be and how that this this makes people more conservative could you discuss sort of like the uh, limits of that really quick what? so I, I read that article so I looked up the name Gerald Alexander and of course he's some right wing think tank asshole and if you google his name one of the top hits is an op-ed he wrote for the Washington Post in 2010 that's the exact same premise as this liberals are too elitist and snobby and they he's, turn people off he says so here liberals often don't realize how provocative or inflammatory they can be he writes in exercising their power they regularly not only persuade and attract but also annoy and repel i mean where do you even start i mean the thing that i think it's most important to understand about this argument is that it only runs one way right if you are anti-abortion nobody's going to come after you and your rhetoric and, and ask you well how are you going to get you know young women who donate to Planned Parenthood like what do you like are, isn't what you're saying turning them off now, when you say when you say that uh, you know, women <laughs> shouldn't Parenthood is uh, chopping up babies and yeah, selling exactly. them on the black market exactly. you know like if you're saying that women who get abortion should be imprisoned or executed like aren't you alienating some base of women but nobody ever asks that question in fact what you do to those people is you hire them at the Atlantic. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like it, it, it's a completely disingenuous framing. And I think, first of all, if it were true that conservatives are emotional enough that like when they get pissed off, they move further and further right towards Nazism. I think that that's a moral dilemma that they have to deal with for themselves. <laughs> um, but conservatives did not get to where they are by trying to figure out how they could reach across and, and convince people who are like progressives or like hard liberals um, to move further. Right. They, they've, they just antagonize people constantly all the time, all kinds of categories of people. They demonize gay people, they demonize Hispanic people, they demonize black people. Um, and nobody ever, well, people sometimes do, but like the focus on the condescension of liberals is, is all you're going to hear from. Uh, like if it like Times a perfect page. example of this is if it were true that comparing your political opponents in 21st century America to the absolute worst horrors of the 20th century, be they, you know, Hitler or Stalin or Mao or whatever that like yeah. you know, c cardboard cutout of like dictator who kills millions of people. You know, this would be it, the Soviet it, Union. Yeah. Already. Yeah. Like it, you know, if that were true, if that actually uh, cuts against your political interests, then what the fuck have the Republicans been doing? For yeah. the I mean, how many times have they compared Obama to Hitler or Stalin over something like Obamacare? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, even before Obama, fucking Jonah Goldberg wrote a whole book about <laughs> how fascism. liberals are the real fascists. Dinesh D'Souza just copied him and published that book last month. Yeah. So it like, I'm not, I'm not like, we should be living in the Maoist state. Yeah. Basically, the Democratic <laughs> Party should have moved way, way, way. <laughs> let me let me cut on here for a second because this this really is amazing. So this is I, I found the article. It's called uh, "Why Are Liberals So Condescending?" 
in the Washington Post, February 2010. He's been writing the exact same article for at least a decade now. And here's the money paragraph towards the end of it. Of course, plenty of conservatives are hardly above feeling superior, but the closest they come to portraying liberals as systematically mistaken in their worldview is when they try to identify ideological dogmatism in a narrow slice of the left in a particular moment or in specific individuals. Mm. A few conservative voices may say that all liberals are always wrong, but these tend to be, rel- these tend to be mm. relatively marginal figures <clears throat> or media gadflies like Glenn Beck. What? 2010. <laughs> what? Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, I think, I think this thing that happened with Nielsen is the perfect example of this. Because right after you, that action happened, you saw people tweeting Eric Erickson, some other random conservative nobody, saying, you know, this is people becoming brown shirts. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this is an act. This is how you get fascism, these acts of sort of collective mob violence. Uh, this was the most civil action. You can do. This is lit, nobody got hurt. You, you were came there, in, right? And, well, I was outside, but I saw the videos from the inside. Um, you know, they were just chanting things about at her about this policy. Um, they nobody was. Really they didn't flip over any tables or anything. They just they were just there making their voices heard. Now, what do conservatives do, as we saw during the last administration, when there is a policy that they want to signal that they dislike? What they do is they buy guns and parade around with them and say that we have these guns because eventually we might have to take over the government. And nobody says on the right that this is like intolerable mob behavior or, or violent behavior. Um, it's, it's something that only exists as a complaint whenever people on the left do the slightest kind of mildly disruptive thing. And, you know, an, another thing you were talking about in the article is like, uh, you know, guys like Mark Lilla who make, you know, uh, identity politics, they're, they're big, you know, uh, they're big boogeyman. And they, they're just like, you know... <sighs> You know, Democrats, you know, if we have to talk about trans people's bathrooms again, we're really going to get slaughtered. And it's just like, who's bringing that up? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, who's making, like, trans people in the bathrooms that they choose to use an issue? It's not fucking Democrats. I mean, it's not liberals or whatever. And if they are, they're what they're doing is, like, you know, standing up for what is a reasonable position, which is that people should be allowed to use what bathroom the bathroom of the gender that they identify with it's the fucking right that is making you want to talk about using identity politics and, and to, to you know rile up their political base and get the votes out by the way that's a position of like the plurality of the american people when you ask them about trans issues they agree with the well, liberal yeah, position all these attempts to do wedge shit with local uh uh, local referendums and stuff have all blown up in their faces. They lose, yeah. right? Uh, like in even while while Trump was winning North Carolina, the the re- Republican <laughs> governor who sort of made being the bathroom warrior sort of lost. his issue lost to a Democrat in a year that Trump won North Carolina. I think what they're trying to do is draw a parallel to uh, 2003 or so when uh, San Francisco. Uh, issued gay marriage licenses and say, you know, okay, if you, if you do this again, you're going to get another 2004. But as you pointed out, the numbers aren't there. It's not no, remotely the same. It's not 2004 anymore, no. Also, he won because the economy was still doing pretty well in okay. yeah. 2004. That's why Bush got reelected. I mean, another, another thing, you know, another avenue here, uh, this is what Alexander writes in his piece uh, about, you know, uh, how 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 mean liberals are and how that turns people off. He writes here, uh, racist is pretty much the most damning label that can be slapped on anyone in America today. <laughs> it's, it's so damning that Donald <laughs> Trump is our president. You know, that, yeah. that, that, that's how hard it is to be called a racist in America. The, 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 the real N-word is racist. No, I will not explain. <laughs> <laughs> Did he just write all of these in, in 2010 and he's just slowly so. publishing? It gets 
done every year and a half by somebody. These are like unreleased tracks. <laughs> like, oh, guys, I got some more from the vault. <laughs> oh, wow. You paste these out. These are so good. Just the besides and rarities of concern no, but, uh, The idea, uh, he says, yet some people have cavalierly leveled the charge against huge numbers of Americans, specifically the more than 60 million people who voted for Mr. Trump. In their ranks are people who sincerely themselves consider themselves not bigoted, who might be open to reconsidering ways they have done things for years, but who are likely to be put off if they feel smeared before that conversation even takes place. Uh, not only, I mean, what actually happens to people who are called racist in public life now? They get an explanatory defense in the New York Times op-ed page. No, Ben Shapiro is not a racist, even though he said <laughs> you know, what Palestinians like living in sewage or whatever. Like he's actually a respectable uh, mind. So like even within like liberal circles, being called racist is not the end of the world and something that excludes you from the conversation. Well, I, what I think is happening is, is that uh, for a lot of these guys, they, they kind of consider themselves cosmopolitan, you know, if not liberals, sort of centrists. And I think they see sort of those psychotic armed tantrums by tea partiers and stuff as sort of, you know, the, the the hearty expression of rural rustics who they don't really feel any connection to. Well, what they're seeing is, is that people that they consider sort of their social circle are making the realization that Republicans made almost a generation ago now, which is that the consensus transactional concept of politics in America is dead. And it doesn't work that way anymore. The idea that the Tip O'Neill fantasy is, is over with and you have to... It, and co politics is a battle between interest groups in which one tries to defeat the other. And they're coming around to that, and that is very disconcerting to them because they, don't, they th see that as tribal and they see that as irrational. And that's fine for the, the rubes to do that, but not their fellow coastal elites. Like, they're losing their heads. Clearly, we're in some sort of, you know, a Yatesian hellscape if that's happening. It's but, class warfare, as they said to Al Gore. Yeah. I mean, again, I think I think another another tack here is that they don't like uh, to be accused of racism in the policies they support or candidates that they vote for, because I think it's effective. You know, I mean, like, are you going to say, hey, are you going to call, uh, you know, the 60 million people who voted for Trump bigoted just because they chose to cast their vote for a guy who called immigrants like a disease or, or rats that should be rounded up? I mean, like, how do you explain a world in which people... Uh, are cavalier or blasé or even amused by the, the images and sounds coming from child detention centers. If you can't explain that they think those people are less than them, how do you explain it? If, if you have to sort of assume some sort of weird uh, goodwill among these people, how do you explain their actions and their beliefs? I, I want to draw a distinction between people who voted for Trump and the many reasons why people voted for Trump and the people who today consider themselves Trump supporters, the mm -hmm. people who go to the rallies and they uh, have MAGA shit in their Twitter profiles and they uh, post in the QAnon hashtag because they know the truth about everything. <laughs> uh, to answer Jared's question regarding the Trump supporters, fuck them. I don't really care. I mean, I hope their feelings are hurt and I hope they're alienated and I hope they're miserable. Mm-hmm. Don't need those people to build an effective governing coalition. Not in the slightest. No, you don't need them, and you can't get them because they're committed. No, the project should be to marginalize them. Yes, to to build a cultural understanding that sees their views as anathema to being a decent human being. Which I know that someone like Tucker Carlson is. You know, he's the bow tie dipshit who's you know mostly just pandering. 
But when he he tweeted something the other day about how do you, do you remember this? It was like uh, this is what the left wants. They want to uh, uh, harass every Trump supporter or something like that. No, he he said that uh, that they're through trying to convince people. They they they're just here yes, to harass yes. and to go to war with, as if Republicans have ever cared about convincing a single fucking person. Of and it, right, so I know I know he's pandering, but. Uh, I would love that for that to be the case because that's absolutely what needs to happen. There's one segment of this country that cannot exist in a civil society that right. is diametrically opposed to the interests of everyone in this room yeah. and indeed of a majority of Americans. And the world. And the, of course the world, yeah. And I don't know what it's going to take for people to see that in the Democratic Party. I mean, I think it's it's true that people are getting radicalized. People are very angry about this particular administration. I don't know if we're at a place yet, and it's unfortunate that we're not, where people expand their sort of frame and say that this person exists because this faction within American life is not compatible with pluralistic democracy, and we have to get rid of them somehow. I, I, politically. Yeah. I also kind of... <laughs> right. I do... When people get to this conversation, though, I do there's a little bit of a cause for worry because it's like you know are we getting to the marginalization part before we get to the part where we have something for the masses of people that didn't vote yeah. because you can't really yes, do absolutely that first thing without the next yeah thing. yeah you there just needs, go straight yeah. into the marginalization it's people are gonna go, go either well i don't know what this is or i'm still uninvolved it just sort of action without result I don't think so. it's an action. I think it's a guiding principle and a long-term goal. Whether or not it's attainable is an entirely different question. But uh, regarding your question about you know when the Democratic Party kind of changes its ways and realizes this, I think uh, slowly some members of the party, especially the ones running for president, are cognizant of that. I think there's a lot of organizational inertia there, an old way of doing things. Yeah. But as well, and this is the, uh, this is the only one I'm really sympathetic to, is that they have to handle the fact that the country's gerrymandered yeah. and that their electoral, you know, guiding strategy is, okay, well, we, we kind of have to appeal to some of the shitheads because they constitute a majority of a majority of districts. We did get to a space where we completely marginalized the position of supporting Bush in 2007 and 2008, and here we are again. Yeah, I, because I, there was I, no I, positive, there was nothing positive attached to the condemnation of Bushism. It was just this is bad. What's good? Uh, hope, change right. uh, to be and determined. Getting, and getting good Republicans to yeah. oppose Bush, right? You know, it's mm-hmm. like that's the key thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that cuts against having any kind of positive exactly. vision because it's going to go against the interests of these people, and they're going to say, "Well, hold on a minute. I agree with you. I agree with you that some things aren't acceptable." And also, but the, the, anything the other, more than that is too far. The other obvious difficulty is when you start making broad charges against the Republican Party, you have to deal with the fact that the Democratic Party has helped them do a lot of the bad things mm. oh, yeah. that they have done, um, which is going to, I mean, to do that, you have to dislodge some people who had a hand in that. You have to get oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. And those people are still running the party, but that's, that's obviously one of the major obstacles. So I don't know, if you have to clean house, and once you clean house, you get rid of people who have this sort of, uh, this compromised history, and you're able to make broad indictments more comfortably without you know having to to fear that you know you're, you're ignoring part of people who are still there and running the, things the best thing we could the, it's not really possible i guess but god if we could just like 
overnight make the Democratic Party not exist anymore because it's just it, it is all it is is a dog shit brand that means nothing positive to anyone and that taints anyone who picks it up. Even people who say, no, it's different this time. They're like, yeah, you're the dipshit Democratic right. Party. You always say that. Uh, if it would just, I mean, literally, this is America. We love brands. If there's a different goddamn brand, but it would also have to come with a different architecture of power and a different funding structure and everything. And, and that's, that's the real fucking well, long march. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the perfect segue into this week's reading series if we're going to talk about um, sectors of the American public that are uh, basically impossible to dislodge from our politics and are largely have their have their, their bony arthritic fingers on the steering this wheel. Is this is them. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go uh, stigmatize the bathroom for a second. Before we start <laughs> okay. The dingleberries and the asshole now, of American politics. Now, uh, uh, on our last episode, we did a reading series about uh, Selena Zito's Project Main Street and hashtag IO opening or whatever. Uh, and by the, the way, I want to. So somebody pointed out that this online. One of the towns they went to, Londonderry, New Hampshire, uh-huh. is actually very wealthy. Oh no shit! Very yeah. affluent. <laughs> yeah. Not in any way hard scrabble or small town or anything. It's a bunch of fucking people who moved out of Massachusetts because they don't have a sales tax or state income tax. <laughs> but this is a. Uh, but well, uh, this is much the same. We, we no. Well, we discuss. Yes, yeah, I mean these people absolutely this is the same. But now we just dis- we discussed this sort of uh, the phony brand of you know post twenty sixteen election journalism of you know, trying to find out-of-work steel workers to ask them why they voted for Trump and having that be the, the, the stand-in for like, oh, yeah. this is Trump's base of support, you know, the, the white working class, to use a shorthand. This is uh, from Politico this week by Michael Grunwald uh, that I got to say is probably the only one of these pieces that seeks to sort of go out of D.C. and New York and find Trump voters yeah. that I find at all useful because it does capture the people who are actually Trump's oh, base of support base. Exactly. are yeah. incredible or wealthy White. retirees. Wealthy. Yeah, definitely. Everywhere that is his biggest area of support in the election and since. These people are not working class by any stretch of the imagination. I'll just let's just get into this. This is called a generation pickleball. Ugh. Welcome to Florida's political Tomorrowland. <sighs> this is a profile of a gigantic retirement gated retirement community just outside of orlando called the villages that honestly should just be called the village because it's like that spooky movie and there's a twist ending uh the twist ending being that they're actually living in the modern world that's just as true for this uh, segment (laughs) of the population come Um, on (laughs) did i just spoil that movie for you virgil (laughs) he's dead the whole time by the way in sixth sense okay so there is some amazing uh, color in this story, and it's also again white I, predominantly. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, it's also in- incredible. It's incredibly telling about the mindset of the Trump voter. Like we said, how can you know? How can you hear audio of kids being screaming and being separated from their parents and be like, "Hmm, good, more of that." Yes, please. The answer lies in this article. So I'm just going to begin here. The Villages is America's largest retirement community. 
a carefully planned, meticulously groomed dreamscape of gated subdivisions, wall-to-wall golf courses, adults-only pools, and old-fashioned town squares. It's advertised as Florida's friendliest hometown, and it's supposed to evoke a bygone era of traditional values when Americans knew their neighbors, respected their elders, and followed the rules. It has the highest concentration of military veterans of any metropolitan area without a military base. It has strict regulations enforcing the uniformity of homes, as well as the people living in them. No families with children except to visit. And it is Trump country, a reliably Republican, vocally patriotic, almost entirely white enclave that gave the president nearly 70% of the vote. (laughs) Calling it a metropolitan area is kind of loose because it is just a giant sprawling suburb, but it has been growing nearly exponentially. At 2010, it was like 60,000 or so people living there. Now it's well over 100,000. It's nearly tripled in size since then. It says your older voters are America's most reliable voters, which is why baby boomer boom towns like the villages represent the most significant threat to a potential Democratic wave in Florida in 2018 and the most significant source of Republican optimism for many years to come. Here's where it gets to the nub of it. Trump supporters who get the most media attention tend to be economically anxious laborers in economically depressed factory towns. But in Florida, economically secure retirement meccas like the villages are the real reason Trump won in 2016 and why the state's Republicans who have controlled Tallahassee for two decades think they can avoid a blue wave in 2018. It makes sense that they're coming to the villages because this leisure class Sunbelt Oasis is a lot more pleasant than the dying working class Rust Belt towns that journalists usually visit on Trump voter safaris. It feels like a 40 square mile cruise ship or a college campus without required classes. It has enough golf courses to play a different one every week of the year and more than 100 miles of golf cart trails that keep traffic congestion to a minimum. It's like back to school if everyone was Rodney Dangerfield. (laughs) It isn't exactly luxurious, but it's comfortable with a median home price above $250,000. So again, like, yeah, keep that in mind there. These are people who have wealth. They own homes. They golf every fucking day. This is, yeah, this is like if... uh an ancient description of paradise was made by the people who make those memes like how to get respect from me one wear a belt with your pants two you know this is tuck your t-shirt yeah there is no way that these people aren't doing child sacrifices to jimmy buffett songs (laughs) like this is the most horrifying thing we've had read in a while and it's worth pointing out all of this is owned by one company jesus um shinra company (laughs) Uh, here's another telling detail. They talked to a guy, uh, Larry Harmon, who's a former Chicago area stockbroker who runs one of their little investment clubs. He says, I keep telling people, come on, Trump has nothing to do with your portfolio. Harmon, a former Marine, is much more excited about Trump's crusade against the National Football League. <laughs> <laughs> Holy, this fucking dumb hog. Players taking a knee, that's bullshit, Harmon told me. I'm with the president 100%. <laughs> Throw your hand over your heart and respect our flag. <laughs> so it's getting this, this guy should live in a kennel. <laughs> like there is nothing that the world gain. I know I was just saying like we need a program before we can marginalize people, but now like hearing this guy, it's like <laughs> Thank no, this you. guy should Thank live. You. This guy should be naked and live in a kennel. This Thank guy you. is just a fucking dullard. Like the only reason he's voting is because Kaepernick kneeled. <laughs> this guy is 
he you could just amuse him with like a Kong filled with peanut butter. <laughs> this fucking idiot. Oh, there's more. There's way. Oh, more. It get, oh, it gets so much better. But I, I but I like that. Was what he gets is like this guy is smart enough to know that like the fucking stock market doesn't really care who's fucking president. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. he would be raking it in if Hillary Clinton was still president. Yeah. But he loves Trump because he's willing to stand up to those goddamn NFL yeah. players. All right. So when was it? this guy was probably in the Marines during like Grenada? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't strain my MCL for you to kneel, you piece of shit. <laughs> so you guys, uh, it's not a coincidence that the villages supports the nation's largest American Legion post, or that the signs on its bar declared no NFL games on post televisions. <laughs> Oh, my God. So listen, uh, uh, Republicans outnumber Democrats by more than two to one here. And in interviews, they generally express support for Trump's tax cuts, as well as his hands off approach to Medicare and Social Security. That has helped blunt the perennial Democratic pitch to seniors. Choose us because Republicans are coming for your checks. But what really attracted them to Trump were issues that had little to do with their pocketbooks or their daily lives like his opposition to sanctuary cities or his insistent rhetoric about strength or his attacks on Muslims, MS-13, and protests by black athletes. They feel like Trump is on their side in a cultural war against cop haters. Their perception of scheming foreigners, global warming alarmists, and other politically correct avatars of disorder and decline. They thought President Barack Obama was on the other side, standing with transgender activists, welfare freeloaders, and Islamic terrorists. When Trump vows to make America great again, they sense that he means more like the villages. Oh, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, these are the people you alienate by talking about bathrooms. And good, I want them to be alienated from the mainstream. Yeah, these are, yeah, if, like, just tomorrow Trump, like, saw a gangland episode that impressed him. And he's like, actually, we're bringing every member of MS-13 over to be <laughs> double citizens and they get 10 times. Like, just for some reason, like, their lives wouldn't be affected. These people are more likely to be beaten to death with a golf club over, like, some weird mishap that started on kink.com than any gang shooting ever. <laughs> It really is like living in a village where there's law and order and people take care of each other, said Baxley, who owns three funeral homes in the villages. <laughs> Boom times for him. Trump tapped into that sense that the rest of America isn't like that anymore and some people don't have to follow the rules. This is Jonestown for people who smashed Dixie Kicked records. <laughs> That's what this is. Like, this, is this is like a... Cult, and again, yeah, what, what, you know, is there a, uh, is there a fact check out there, or a, you know, uh, civil, polite, reasoned argument that could reach these people? They're telling you point blank. I don't give a shit about the economy or any like any policy that might affect my life. I care that he's standing up to largely imaginary uh, evil villains that lurk just outside the walls of my gated village. I think it's important for people with like a. Uh a certain political program to believe in the ability of people to change, but these fucking people have always been like this, and they will always be like this. What's so monstrous to me, in addition to all of the myriad just disgusting uh, exemplars of racism and and and, and uh, hierarchy, it is that they think they're defending some city on a hill, and it's this. This is the culture that they're willing to kill the world for. They would, they, would see, they would see it's a million. They would see a million people stacked, like corpses stacked on the fucking Mexican border to protect what is essentially a giant open air TGI Fridays <laughs> that's going to be underwater in fifty years anyway. Yeah, these, that is the fucking world that they're willing to to just 
countenance any amount of bloodshed to maintain. They want to do the Crusades for the entire world for the Billy Big Mouth Bass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here's some more good stuff. Uh, One recurring phrase from veterans at the Post was that they were 100% behind Trump, even though they might quibble with his tweets, his extramarital activities, or even his policies. Chet Sturgis, a seventy-eight-year-old, <laughs> oh my god, a seventy-eight-year-old Navy veteran who served on an aircraft carrier during the Vietnam War, disagrees with Trump about trade and immigration. He spent time in Juarez as a manager of for Ford, and he believes a border wall would hurt America as well as Mexico. But he said he still is one hundred percent aboard the Trump train because the president respects the military, stands up for freedom, and calls out the right enemies. I love it when he says fake news, Sturgis says. <laughs> I only watch Fox because they're the only media that tells the truth. Hannity especially. You fucking clapping seal. You <laughs> fucking love, dumb shit. I love what he said. What the president says is catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> I also voted for Urkel in 1992. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah the, vo- yeah, the voting officials keep warning me I can't vote with pogs. So I just ate them. I choked on them. I didn't get to vote in 2012 for this reason. <laughs> I just imagine thinking, yeah, uh... You know, the one channel that I watch that I like and it has the shiny images and everyone's yelling and their faces are all red and they got big veins pop. They're telling me the truth. How would you know? I'm not comparing it to anything. Well, it sounds right. It sounds like what I think is happening. So it must be the one telling the truth. This you could literally you could wipe out about half of the worst part of the electorate, not like kill them, but just from the voting rolls by giving them a busy box and being like, here, here's what you vote on. You get as many votes as you like. And they'll be like, I got an idea. I got it from the where the red fern grows. You drill a hole in a log and you put one of those uh, you fuck Trump. It. You put one of those, <laughs> no, you, you put nails into the in sideways, uh, diagonally into it, and then you put one of those Trump coins at the bottom, and then they reach their hand in to grab ah. it, and then they try to take it out, and they can't do it, and then they won't go to vote. So, simple. It uh, wouldn't be uh, more anti-democratic than the way the Republican Party has set up voting in Florida Absolutely right not. now. Yeah. So, um, here's, some more, here's some more gems. We're proud to be deplorables. We're proud to have a president who gets things done and doesn't take any crap, said Louise Neasley. Proud shithead. A 69-year-old villager from Rock Hill, South Carolina. All Obama did was play golf. When I pointed out, <laughs> I no, 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 listen. When I pointed out, when I pointed out that Trump plays more golf than Obama did, she didn't miss a beat. Okay, but then he goes to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, pre- my he may he may golf for seven hours in a row, but when he's done, he gets in there and he watches extra. <laughs> I, I, I think I think David Roth made this point on Twitter, but like I love all of the euphemisms journalists and reporters have to use now to say that Trump isn't lying. So they said Trump promulgated a falsehood. Today. Yeah. But even better than that is all the euphemisms that they tra- where they try to transcribe what their sources are telling him that doesn't make it sound like all he does is yell at TV all day. <laughs> They're like, uh, Trump met with his advisors after seeing a news item that disturbed him greatly and decided to reverse course. Executive time, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He gets to work after smash cut to you know, a lot of people say that people are unfair to Jennifer Lawrence, but actually you can tell she's a very nasty person. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he, he watches more Fox and Friends by 7 a.m. than the rest of you do in your entire life. <laughs> yeah, He has been on the phone with QVC late into the night. (laughs) 
Uh, Neasley and her boyfriend, 78-year-old former Marine Joe Campbell, believe oh. Obama dragged America into a virtual state of anarchy. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Even though crime rates have been dropping for decades, they carry a three they carry 380 Berettas when they leave the villages in case they encounter carjackers. <laughs> Damn right. Hover it's- around shackers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hover around with a fifty cal on the front. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the warthog from Halo, but it's like my, the bumper sticker on the back. My son dropped out of the naval reserves. <laughs> he goes, uh, "Damn right, it's dangerous out there." Campbell said, and even though the population of undocumented immigrants did not increase under Obama, Campbell is sure they've been pouring across the border. <laughs> We need the wall because a lot of them are rapists and killers. And the ones that aren't, I'm tired of paying for them. Campbell says he beat up two hippies who spat on him and called him a baby killer when he returned from Vietnam. And he's just as disgusted by those who protest police brutality today during the anthem. He thinks that happened. To him. He thinks that happened. It did not happen to him. Let's, let's, Let's... Get that out there. There's a zero percent chance that happened. But he, you strap him to a fucking lie detector. He thinks that happened oh, yeah. to him because he saw it in a movie. And in the past forty years, all the prions and fucking KFC in his brain have turned it into a fucking piece of cement. <laughs> if you, if you, and it's turned that memory. It's like when fucking Reagan thought he'd liberated Dachau yeah. because he saw it in a fucking movie. Campbell Campbell intimated to me that after his friend got his legs blown off in Vietnam and he started his shrimp company. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Matt, you're exactly right if you hook that dude up to a lie detector and ask him about that antidote it would be a flat line yes it would not even it would not tremble in the slightest i guarantee that story was originally one then he met another vietnam shithead who said yeah i also did that and he said oh actually i did two (laughs) (laughs) yeah i haven't had an easy life yeah my mom actually my mom had to fuck the principal of the school to get me in but you don't see me asking for handouts One time, some uh, liberal sheriff uh, chased me through the woods, and I had to use a bunch of booby traps <laughs> yeah. in the yeah, Pacific was, Northwest was, to stop it before Richard Krenner talked me down. Yeah, that sheriff was trying to make me watch the NFL. I just didn't want to be hassled. When I was a child, these two burglars tried to break into my house, <laughs> but I used elaborate traps to foil them. You know, I used to have, I used, I had uh, easily over a hundred puppies, and then this liberal <laughs> bitch from the fashion industry—it was in a winter. Trump fights against her every day. <laughs> another, another, another. Uh, view from the villages uh 98% of the villagers are white people really and they're, oh, wow. Yeah, that's wow. surprising uh and their attitudes towards other people including immigrants and minorities who work here as landscapers and roofers and waiters sometimes go beyond politically incorrect when i asked mm. a 73 year old former factory supervisor named sam huff why he <laughs> these are, these what, are real names. all these names have double chins <laughs> me and fucking felix created all these guys on twitter in 2014 so, uh, me and Matt found like a bag of K and blacked out, and we were just like, "All right, dude, wait, his name is fucking. How about his? How about his name is fucking uh, Hunter Tuggle?" <laughs> and we're like, "Nah, that's too unbelievable." Now they're all in here. Uh, Bliff Gunson. Uh, so Eric when, when asked, <laughs> when when Sam Huff was asked why he liked Trump, he replied. There's a lot of Mexicans in this country, and somebody's got to something's got to be done about it. Why? Why doesn't anybody <laughs> about it? All right, there's uh, a lot of fucking dip dipshit like assholes who think, oh, you know, I kind, I'm kind of a mutt. You need to go too. You need to go more. Uh, 
here's the last bit. Like this is this is the other the other thread in all of this, which is um, conspiratorial nonsense and religious end times. Uh, Hell yeah, ap- apocalyptic Hit thinking. It. Melvin Witten, pastor of the New Freedom Fellowship Church at the Villages, is about to introduce the first speaker in his God and Country series for a message titled Exposing the New World Order and How It Affects Our Freedom. Right on. But first he shares an inspirational quote with the crowd in the pews. As long as we have God, we are never alone. Witten also asked the president of the Trump Club of the Villages, David Gee, and Tampa-based author of a book called Trump and the Resurrection of America, John Michael Chambers, to say a few words. John Michael Chambers is like the most respected man in town because he's the only one without a stupid name. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, how did you do it? How did you do it? Said uh, Scott Bloop. (laughs) Although I have to say that he does have... He, his name sounds like he was indicted but not convicted for trying to kill Jesse Jackson with a fucking grenade launcher in 1989. <laughs> yeah. I believe it was divine providence that put Mr. Trump in office, Witten explained to mm. me later. The featured speaker is Alex Newman, a journalist with the far-right John Birch Society's magazine, and his topic is the socialist, globalist, atheist conspiracy led by the United Nations and the government school system that's brainwashing American children into ignorant collectivists who abandon their churches and rely on CNN fake news for their information. Honest to God, I feel sorry for the John Birch Society because you're this like old, venerable, conspiracy-minded, like crazy organization that's been doing it since the late 50s, early 60s. Then you have like QAnon, come on, with like these like people are being held in like the bottom of pizza restaurants. What do you do to like compete with that? They need better social media. This right, is why exactly. everyone needs to pay a social media consultant. You don't do it in house. Yeah, the John Birch Society. I think probably in some way it's like if you were listening to like Grandmaster Flash in like 1980. And you see rap now, and you're like, I guess it's cool <laughs> that it's big now, but it's like, I was really there from the beginning. Right. See, the thing about the John Burst Society is that they do have a social media manager, but the problem is that he's been doing all of his tweets on a typewriter that he doesn't know is <laughs> connected to the internet. Yeah. John Burst Society, they really were like, just any book you read about like 60s or 70s politics is cool because it's just often the, it's just like everything was a smoke filled back room, but in yeah. the corner masturbating openly in that smoke filled back room was the john birch society they just always show up in some part near the end of the chapter being like and the john birch society uh was working on connecting jack parr to a scheme to steal children yeah <laughs> it's like what happened to a... Lyndon larouche yeah you know like he's he's just out of the scene now that jones is he's got his fans you know his fans are never gonna leave he's got good social i think yeah, yeah. i think he's staying relevant they've got a blog yeah eisenhower as the communist agent is like the og fucking yeah, conspiracy. Well, that was never mind. That was so for right wing, like modern right wing, right wing conspiracy. That was Nirvana's never mind. Yeah, no, seriously. And I gotta say, a little overproduced as conspiracy theories go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here, here, here's a here's a perfect here's a perfect quote. Especially keep in mind where it's being said. Do we have any believers in the hoax of man-made climate change here? Newman asks. The audience laughs derisively and not a single hand is raised. I didn't think so. This annoys the shit out of me because I know all of these villagers are going to be dead yeah, before the, literally the they're place they're going to die being like, well, it was now bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah but they, they, will never, they will always believe it's bullshit. And they will never have to live where yeah. their actual villages will be a fucking uninhabitable swamp. Yeah. In about fifty I years, hope, time. I hope they. I hope they live long. I hope that there's like some sort of fucking like bane tank that fits on the back of their golf courses, their golf carts, and they have to live forever. And they die when like 
a mosquito who's blown up to the size that they were during the Jurassic period <laughs> flies into their throat. I mean, I'm mad about these guys, but I think I'm madder about the people who are younger than this who are denying it, who you know when they're older and like the effects come obvious, they're like, oh, we never, we, how could we have known? You guys are getting angry over nothing. Uh, you need to be civil about yeah. you know, the, the reconstitution of our society and let us keep it. All right, that's why pencils have erasers. Okay, yeah. we made a goof. Yeah, but right. when they get old, they'll have a different solution for it. Mm. And it's going to be gated communities like the villages oh, yeah, that yeah. continue to fucking consume the world's resources. <laughs> floating gated just communities. A, just a disgusting anus on the fucking <laughs> can we just get a body fucking, of the planet. Can we get a funnel so that all of the melting ice caps just drop on these specific cities? <laughs> And not exactly. on fucking poor Bangladesh that did literally nothing to make this happen. We just need some sort of giant slip and slide that will funnel all of the Arctic yeah. into Florida. Yes. Uh, last quote here. At dinner before Newman's speech, G, the head of the Trump Club of the Villages, obser- observed to the Florida director of the John Birch Society that the right has never been more unified. I That's used to true. think of That's y'all as extreme. I used to think of y'all as extremists, he said. Now, when I listen to your message, it sounds pretty mainstream to me. No, he's right. Correct. Wait, that, wait, wait. wait. Get, get to the quote about uh, the company and the landscapers. But he is 100% right about the, because the, that was, the big claim was always, oh, yeah, we're a big tent over here. We got yeah. libertarians. You, I know the word vendor class, was in it. Just search vendor. Classic li- liberals. And, uh, and it's like, yeah, everyone's a Nazi now. 100%. All of them. They're 100%. They're all Nazis because they all see the writing on the wall. They all think that we're going to get swamped for whatever reason. And certainly not global warming. Oh. Yeah, this, and, this uh, and so yeah, they're all on the same page. I can't believe I missed this one, Virgil. Okay, uh, the company does set a conservative tone. The leaders of the Democrat the company that owns the entire yeah. thing. I mean, yeah. you want to talk about Peter Thiel making a seastead Libertopia? I mean, sorry, some company has already done this. They've already made a hell town. <laughs> the, lead, the leaders of the Democratic Club recently asked for financial support, like the Republican Club had gotten. The company wrote back that it had chosen to focus on giving in a different direction. Yeah. The Democrats also gave me a memo the company circulated on last February's Life Without Immigrants Day, demanding the names of any laborers who skipped work mm-hmm. so they could go on a list of, quote, radical individuals ineligible for employment by any of the vendors serving the villages. That's literally what the White Citizens Council did. <laughs> These protesters the are trying to cause harm to the villages. These actions cannot and will not be tolerated. No, that's the White Citizens oh Council. That's what they would do. They would collect information on people who were uh, supportive of the civil rights movement so that they could be fired or if their bosses wouldn't fire them to pressure their bosses into firing hey don't worry guys jonathan chait is on this violation <laughs> right. of free speech you know how we talked a couple weeks ago about how there were all those osprey crashes yeah. from the, is there any way to get the military to test the osprey <laughs> above this village <laughs> because they would probably be in favor it's like the u.s military wants to test their they would brand volunteer. yeah i'm just imagining the end of outbreak when they've got the plane oh God, yeah. with the daisy cutter on it and Dustin Hoffman talks them into not blowing up the town, only it ends yeah. slightly differently. So one thing I think should be said about this. I think it was the wind shear, sir. Yes, one thing I think should be said about this category of people is like this is a familiar archetype in American politics. Like there's always been this idea that like when voters get older, they turn into these like crotchety old people who are very possessive. They don't want to relinquish the wealth that they've built up and blah, blah, blah. That's a story we tell ourselves. A couple of weeks ago, I don't know if it was a study that prompted this or what, but there's this piece in New York Magazine about how what actually happens to the electorate is that people who are poor, uh, people who are struggling, don't often make it 
to where you know yeah, old age. Yeah, so we believe, old. You know, all the people who are left are these people who have done really well for themselves through their lives, have managed to keep themselves healthy, and are thus reactionary in their beliefs. Like if it were the case, we had a system in which people were taken care of. You would see a lot more diversity of yes. belief amongst you know, yeah, the older population. Yeah, it's literally just widowed down I mean, yeah, by yeah. our I mean, fucking beastly system of like social Darwinism. Um, yeah, the for the phrase should be you know if you're not lefty when you're 20, you 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 uh, have no heart, and if you're not uh, conservative when you're 60, your heart attack didn't kill you. Somehow, <laughs> <laughs> like that, yeah. These are the people who could afford, like, had good health plans, and despite their lifestyle of uh, fried chicken sandwich-based protests <laughs> and, like, drinking 12 ice cream coffees and, and, and a day also, because they asked for their name to be, like, you know, Blue Lives Matter at Starbucks. And also literally uh, being, like, as white as you can possibly be and then choosing to literally be in the sun all the time. Yes. Just yeah. constantly... Just soaking in UV radiation. Well, oh it, God, they've got to have. There, there's got to be a dermatologist there who's just got like a, a like weed a whacker. conveyor belt, <laughs> like in a fucking Looney Tune, where they just <laughs> lay them out there and just scoop shit off of their face all day long. That's well, what Dennis Miller was, was talking Dennis about. Was talking about. <laughs> everybody listening to the, everybody was listening to that in the village, just like preach, preach, Dennis. you got to you got to get a margin. I know, buddy. The dermatologist is probably like their hair salon. They're all just sitting around getting scooped out at so the I same says time, to Mabel gossiping. I says Mabel <laughs> <laughs> but hey no the fact that they live this long the fact that they have this accumulated wealth from you know uh, like their father's fucking box factory or like whatever fucking easy job they got after spending $500 on a four year college education it's all just a symbol that they are elect Yes. It all, it's yeah, proof yeah. that they, like, they don't have to they, be, they don't have to do anything virtuous to be shown to be worthy of it. The fact that they have it is proof well, that they're virtuous. A big reason why they move there is because Florida has no income yep. tax, which is obviously to the detriment of everyone who isn't privileged enough to get to live in the old people city for Mr. Show. It is a, a fucking a libertarian castle, basically. Yeah. A fortified compound. Yeah. Though, though, actually, I, I want to wheel back to an earlier point. When I say marginalize these people, and I know obviously it won't happen, but uh, if the Democrats could ever retake power in Florida, they should immediately cut the villages into 10 different congressional districts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have another idea. Uh, giant dome. <laughs> just a big clear bubble top and then they can stay in there but they can't leave and they don't get to vote and nothing like that's all they have can i add something on that just to rope back to the beginning about a dome that these people are like the most insulated pampered free from outside thought or action of anybody and they are the most uh, deeply brainwashed into the trump cult so the whole idea that confronting conservatives with like liberal thought is only going to make them more conservative is totally invalidated yep. by the fact that the mm. most insulated are the most themselves. So uh, go tell uh, copies of Nazi. Yeah. Or uh, go into the villages and just make them all go down to the country like during the Cultural Revolution. Make them all become fucking dishwashers in the Bronx. I mean, as Matt pointed out, at least the Nazis have the excuse of having lived through the Great Depression and the Weimar Republic. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Or the, World War One. Yeah, this guy was a World captain on an one. aircraft carrier yeah. in yeah. Vietnam. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, that wasn't that wasn't 
the Mekong Delta, yeah, buddy. These, these, oh, but these, if John McCain's on <laughs> the carrier, oh, watch out. Yeah. These, <laughs> these people's like Weimar hyperinflation was like Obama saluting with a latte. Like, yeah. It was miniskirts. Yeah. Like it's, it was. It was uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the second battle of the Somme was when they canceled Last Man Standing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, when anyone ever you know, wants to talk about you know, the Trump voter, or forget the Trump voter, support conservatives. Yeah, Republicans in America, ideologically motivated conservatives. This people. is what you should be thinking about. Like, yes. like these are the people that make up and the, are the reason why Trump has like the highest approval rating of Republicans within their party of a president, maybe ever yep. since yeah. Ronald Reagan, at least. Mm-hmm. So, and then again, all, all the all the conservative commentators who want to tell you that they they really d- dislike Trump and there's got to be a better way. Uh, sorry, these are the people who support you. Yep. Yeah, that's whatever. Who you, that's who you got. You so. don't. Yeah. You. It's good to listen to people who are uninitiated, maybe even voted Republican and regret it. Just, you know, you just don't have to do anything for people whose main pastime is going to Panera and calling the police on people they see with like men they see with earrings. Like you just you don't have to. Another another thing, another point I want to make. uh, It was it was, you know, stressed several times in this long profile. But, um, you know, in addition to golf, their other main hobby is just voting. Yeah. Voting yeah. in every election, yeah. all the time. 80% plus, even midterms. Yeah, just huge, always vote, love voting. Which I gotta say, uh, you know, does make me a little suspect of people who are very cavalier about, oh, just fuck voting elections. I mean, if there were a, if there were a considerably large, a similarly large group of people who were this fanatically dedicated to voting, but weren't um, irredeemably evil, that maybe that's something to build off of. Well, the, I don't know. The old anarchist... The old anarchist slogan was always, if voting mattered, they'd make it illegal. And the thing is, they kind of are. Mm. So that shows you that, that it's not the end-all, be-all, obviously, but there's a fucking role for it. Yeah. Because they are afraid of people who don't vote voting. They are afraid of what would happen if that were to be the case, including Democrats, those and, establishment Democrats. And I, I do want to point out, whenever we uh, shit on the Trump swine, and they are swine, uh, <laughs> we don't need your holier-than-thou tisk-tisking that we're talking about the poor factory workers in steel towns and the, your romanticized version of Appalachian, the white working class. No, we're talking about these people explicitly. Refer to the article from now on. <laughs> yeah. Do not contact me ever again regarding this matter. Except on literally any other matter. Please contact Guys, Twitch stream tonight for Michael's birthday will be the, we're going to be interviewing Trump voters, uh, getting their position about their America with sympathy and empathy for both sides. And, and if you don't like it, contact Virgil. And, and then you're going to shoot them in the head in a virtual uh, playground of deck building and uh, <laughs> of treasury, treasure discovery. Oh, yeah. Trump, I mean, these people would like Fortnite because they get to build a deck and shoot invaders. <laughs> <laughs> they would like Fortnite because you're doing violence to foreigners at uh, way, way more uh, than Trump is. We should- oh, I, I just unlocked the Lieutenant Cali skin. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to all actually, uh, we're going to uh, dive out of an airplane into the villages and then immediately start ransacking people's houses <laughs> for weapons and supplies. Yeah, well, the storm, the storm that comes in is like asbestos. <laughs> uh, the... Yeah, Fortnite is now pay to win because you can get a Ben Shapiro skin and its hitboxes are way smaller. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I think that uh, about does it for us this week. Asita, thank you so much for joining us. And I think we should be played out to a little going Going on a holiday. Going on a holiday. Until next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Hey there, what he said.
going on a holiday. Going to Yellowstone. Going to Wisconsin Dells. Going to Valley Falls. We're going to Branson Mall. Doesn't matter what you say. We're going on a holiday. 